All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Ken Paskins here with Leadership Tools of Titans. And today I'm, I've got a special guest with me, Mitch Beinhacker. He's a uh, attorney. He's written a phenomenal book. And uh, we're going to dig into a bunch of different challenges that business owners run into today as it comes to contract law and all sorts of things. And Mitch, I'm sure you've got lots of great stories to tell there. I think you and I had a good conversation earlier. I mean, we uh, we both could write a couple books on some of the problems I'm sure that uh, business owners and CEOs get into. Uh, before we do that, we we are sponsored by uh, the Shift Spot. It's a community built for CEOs and business owners. Uh, it's a, an advisory, peer advisory, and coaching community. So go check that out. www.theshiftspot.com. Mitch, go ahead and introduce yourself and give us give us a little feel of your book, if you could, please. Sure. Um, I'm Mitch Beinhacker. My firm is Beinhacker Law. I'm located in Clark, New Jersey. Uh, Westfield area, Union County, just uh, due west of Staten Island. I've been practicing for a little bit more than 30 years now. And, uh, you know, I specialize in working with uh, small business owners, family-owned businesses, handling their contracts, their formations, their purchases, anything transactional. Um, I do a lot of also real estate because sometimes there's leasing involved and things like that. And um, estates, trusts, and probate, not on the litigation side, but on the uh, you know, drafting of a will, which often fits in with business owners and probate and things like that. The only thing you don't find me is in court, maybe in handcuffs, I'll be in court, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't be there for a client reason with rare exception. I do a couple, I do some eviction work. I do a little bit of stuff, but I, it's just not a place that I'm comfortable. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, you asked me about the book. So yeah, the tell book, us which is, I always tell business owners where they're like, well, we can't do that. We'll get sued. And I always remind him, it's like anybody can sue for anything. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I think there's more than 10 ways, but uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, this is well. So so my my colleague, Barry Cohn, who's a publicist, he he's authoring a 10 ways series. Yeah. OK. So, I, so he says, well, if we're going to do a book, it's got to be a 10 ways. But got to come up with 10 things. So that's <laughs> that's that's what we did And the 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 auspices of the book or, the, you know, whatever it it's focusing on is just what you said before is the things that business owners fail to do. So it's, you know, 10 ways to get sued by anyone and everyone, which you know, anyone can sue everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really a business owner's guide to staying out of court and doing the things that make it easier. But like you said, I was I had four conversations about this this week. Anyone can sue you. It's the question is, what kind of a defensible position do you have? What kind of evidence do you have as to what your arrangement was, what the rules of the game are? And if you yeah. don't have any rules or written up, that's when these things get problematic. Yeah. And extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, because you're paying an attorney a lot of time to try and cobble some deal together that you were, or business arrangement or whatever it was, to try and convince a judge while the other party's doing the same thing to convince them otherwise. And you don't have anything writing, signed, agreed to, or whatever. So, several parts of the book. Now, I, you know, I interview a lot of attorneys in the book. Some are about employment law, some are about in insurance and other liabilities, um, different things. But a good portion of the book, maybe half of the book or a little bit, 60% of the book is about putting things in writing, a well-written a well -written business plan for small business owners, which is a step that a lot of people skip. Hopefully they go back to it, but a lot of times they don't. And uh, I get a lot of people that call me and they're like, listen, uh, yeah, I got to shut the business down. I'm like, well, didn't you just open your doors like six months ago? Yeah, but we didn't anticipate this. We didn't anticipate that. Well, what did your business plan say? And they look at me like I have three heads. Like, well, we don't have a we don't have a business plan. Yeah. yeah. Like something's wrong with me, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's part of it. Partnership agreements, certainly operating agreements, uh, what I call governance documents, yep. bylaws, things like that, always very often missing. You know, you're talking public companies. They have 
a board of directors and general counsel and governance and things. With yep. a small business, we don't think about it. And there's all kinds of reasons to have a an operating agreement, right? You have disagreements with your partner. You want to separate. You want to grow the business. You're getting sued by someone. And good luck trying to find some attorney to help you backdate an operating agreement, which is basically fraud, and yeah. to create something that didn't exist, right? You right. also get situations where if you're dealing with a bank or if a partner dies, I've had banks say to me, well, I don't have anything in writing that says she's the president, he's this. Or the, so we got to create, we got to find our way through it and it becomes more expensive and money gets tied up and they can't get access to funds and it shuts their business down. They have a lot of problems. So the, you need those kind of governance documents. But one of the most important things is, and I interviewed a guy in the book about memory and how your mind works. Um, our minds are not like these file cabinets where, with very few exceptions, right. where we just like file everything away and you can just pull it out and like take a look at it. And do. Our minds are like a box of stuff with a lot of sticky notes in it that are stuck to different things. And we, don't, we never remember things accurately. You and I can come back here in a year and we would both say what we talked about on the podcast without double checking. It'll be different, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. It's so you need contracts. Sometimes too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, so you need contracts and you yeah. need to have a course of doing business with people where the, uh, written agreements are included in that process, right? If you're a grocery store, that might be a little difficult. But if you're a, a consultant or you sell a product or you're, you're doing something, you know, working with vendors and you're selling this or that, you have to make yourself comfortable where you put out, bring out a client agreement, you bring out a customer agreement, you deal with your vendors in writing, all that kind of stuff, because there will be disagreements. It's not a question of if there will be. There will be disagreements, misunderstandings, different interpretations of, of your arrangement. So you got to be able to go back to it because your, your partner will even say, I don't think we agreed to that. And you pull it out and there it is, signed, dated. And they're like, I guess we did. Yeah. Even though he doesn't believe that he did. You know, Some people still are like, no, that's not true. You know, I snuck into your house and I took your hand and I signed the agreement like that's so that's why you need that stuff to avoid those problems. And that's what the book's about. It's not a, like a, a fun story to read. A, it's not a parable. <laughs> you know? So it's a more of a resource guide. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about the title. This got my attention the last time we, we talked. And I love it. The Accidental Entrepreneur, specifically uh, on the background there, because, yeah. uh, you know, you and I talked through a couple of stories. I think uh, a lot of CEOs find themselves in that situation and, and uh, where they get into something, they love it. And then suddenly they own a business. It's on accident and they don't know how to lead and manage. They don't know what, you know, they run around and beat their head against the wall. But tell me about the accidental entrepreneur and how that ties into things that you could with your firm. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same frustration that I had uh, way back. First of all, I like podcasting, right? And I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I always thought you needed like like a studio and boom mics and a roadie to like, right. you know, do your podcast. But apparently right. you don't, I found out, I think a Pat Flynn video was like, you can start a podcast for 75 bucks, you know? So we did. And yeah. I, I, and so I didn't really know what direction to go with it, but it became very evident to me that, you know, small business owners, just like you said, they kind of end up with an idea and they think it's going to be great. And they don't take the time, the due diligence to either, you know, increase its chances of success or even determine whether it's a good business idea. They just think it's good. And they ask four friends, three of which say that's great because they don't want to insult their friend. And they're like, oh yeah, that's great. But they have no business prowess and they get started and they end up with a garage full of stuff and, you know, and nobody to sell to and a lot of money spent and a lot of waste. And I, like I said before, I get a lot of people that come to me that say, oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm having business problems or 
everyone comes on the show is, oh, no, you know, I am the accidental entrepreneur. And I'm like, yeah, you and 250 other people that have been here to talk about it. And one of the problems with small business ownership is that they don't do the things and take the steps to make yourself increase your chances of being, you know, successful. Um, The business owners that I work with and that I know that are successful, I mean, they pretty much follow the same formula, whether it's learned or they got it from an advisor, a mentor or whatever, for any business that they've done, and they've been very successful at it. They know their numbers. They know their people that they need to have in what seat in, in the business. They know what marketing needs to be doing. They know the marketplace and they've tested and they keep testing and keep asking clients. I want feedback and their product and service is always being, you know, adjusted and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's what makes an accidental entrepreneur purposefully successful. Yeah. But unfortunately our world is now even more so since pandemic, everyone is an entrepreneur. Everyone has a business or a side gig or something going on. And they don't take the time. It's not that the skills aren't out there, Ken, right? Yeah. You can do some research and find a template and find a mentor, find a coach or whatever, people that can help you along the way, but people don't do it. They're just so excited about their product that they don't pay attention to the stuff like financials. They don't want to, right. and it becomes uh, difficult. So I've probably interviewed 250 to 300 different people throughout the world um, in some were successful and struggled in other businesses and failed their way to success and had a lot of lessons learned. Some have very few have been successful from the get go. Yeah. Um, but some have continued to struggle and, you know, and, and now I have a job and they used to do this and they don't do it anymore, you know, because yeah. it's just too, too difficult, too much discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how important is the OA when you have a business with partners? Talk to me about that. How much time should, should a business owner spend on the OA? How does one utilize the OA through, for, through their, you know, as a business, as a tool to keep the train on the tracks, if you will. Yeah. So an operating agreement is generally for an LLC, right? Bylaws are usually for corporations. So one of the advantages and sometimes disadvantages of an of an LLC, a limited liability company, is that you have to establish the rules of operation, right? Who's responsible for what? Who could bind the company? What happens if we get sued or I want or I die or retire or I want to leave the business or you know, I become disabled, God forbid, all those types of things, right? You set up the rules. And without an operating agreement, there are no rules. There's very little codification of the rules like there are for corporations, right? So an operating agreement is very important when it comes to starting a business. Even I even tell people nowadays, because I've done so much probate with people passing away, that if if you're even if you're a solopreneur, you should have an operating agreement. It wouldn't say this operating agreement is between Mitch Beinhacker and Mitch Beinhacker. It would say, you know, this operating agreement is, is, you know, being written by Mitch Beinhacker or setting the rules for Mitch Beinhacker or something. You just word it differently. And therefore, I would say, well, if, if I die, this is what happens. If I, you know, and you limit your liability and then you may have to give it to somebody if you get sued or a bank or whatever. Right. If you bring a partner in, then you modify uh, the agreement. Um, and, you know, and, and it just becomes very difficult to convince a bank or whoever that these were the rules when you don't have them in writing. Yeah. So it, it becomes extremely important when it comes to operating your business. A lot of people overlook it. When I was younger and more naive, I'd said, oh, Ken, it's your, it's your own LLC. It's ignored for tax purposes on your schedule, senior tax, tax return. Don't worry about it. You don't need an operating agreement. 
That may be true in 70% of the cases, but the other 30%, you might need it. So you should just invest the money and do it from the get-go. That's interesting. Let's get back to the book a little bit and I apologize. Sure. Bounce it around. No, jump around. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> you talk about the 10 ways. Can you yeah. go those 10 ways? Or, you know, or did you, did we kind of do that through that? Yeah, I covered a lot of them. Okay, uh, you covered most of your, them, not all Always of them. have a written operating agreement or partnership agreement. I gotcha. Uh, written business agreement. Right. You know, uh, always make sure that you have proper insurance and agreements okay. in place to protect yourself against liability. Uh, there's one, there's a chapter about employment, you know, treating employees correctly and keeping records and doing things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Things about intellectual property and things like yeah. that. Uh, I think I even have some stuff on OSHA and stuff like that. And, and that paragraph on memory, I also interviewed a divorce lawyer about, you know, you're in business with your partner and then your partner's getting divorced and how that affects your business and how you can protect against that stuff. Yeah. And then I had some bonus chapters on, okay, if you do get sued, now what do you do? You know, that type I'll, of, I'll bet. that type of, yeah, don't comb, call me. <laughs> me and I'll get you the litigator. So I, I work with a lot of clients on retainer, but I always tell yeah. them that it's not include litigation. So yeah. I don't litigate. I bring in the guy, I'll negotiate, but I don't litigate. Okay. All right. So uh, you also talk about, you know, business planning and everything. How do you yeah. help with that? Do you get involved in that? Yeah. I mean, I don't write business plans and I'm, I don't think people, you should go out and spend $20,000 to have somebody write your business plan because you should write it yourself and then have somebody maybe edit it and review it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I work with a lot of businesses. I have templates that I've created is, is, is boiled down as four parts. Probably most business templates are anywhere from eight to 12 sections. They get pretty detailed. But if you start with a, a simpler format, and you and I both know there's one pagers out there, even the, the, the lean canvas and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you start there and you start building from there because a business plan is not something you write and you say, oh, this is a great business. Then you leave it and you start running your business. It should be an operating a, a document that you use to run your business. So the personnel section. So there's four major sections of a template that I use, right? There's one is your product and service. You know, what is it? How does it work? All those types of things. There's another one about your people of the business, your personnel, because there may be things that you are doing that you shouldn't be doing. Right. You, you want to do this business, but you don't have the skills for it. So you can get somebody. That doesn't mean you walk away. The right. third thing is marketplace and marketing. What's the marketplace look like? What's the competition look like? Kind of like a SWOT analysis type of a thing. And what is the marketing going to be? What's your plan? How are you going to reach your customers? Where are they? Who, who are they? And the fourth, obviously, is financials, right? All the pro formas boiled down to cost of goods sold, to operations. And, you know, can you actually make money doing this? Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean it should be a business, by the way. So you got to figure out if you can make money. Then each of those four sections can grow over time into a, a personnel book, you know, a product manual, marketing strategies, actual financials over time. And you grow that into, you know, volumes of books, hopefully, that you go back to and do strategic planning with and adjust the business because, you know, life doesn't happen in a straight line. So whatever you plan is not going to happen like that. So you got to make adjustments along the way. You, you fire people, you bring in new people, you adjust the product, maybe you change the industry that you're in, whatever it happens to be. But that's an ongoing process. So that's why I'm a big proponent of and I do work with business owners on the planning side all the time when it comes to you know writing their initial business plan and getting them started and telling them, listen, you don't have enough information. Yeah, yeah. 10 people isn't enough. You got to ask 100 people. You got to find out what this product sells for wholesale. I don't know how to do that. Okay, well, if you can't figure out what it's going to cost to buy the product, how are you going to price it to sell it? That's What's right. your rent going to be? Go look at spaces, you know, whatever. And, and you know, really encourage them to do that. I, I don't really consider, I mean, I, I guess I consider myself a business advisor, certainly not a coach, 
Um, but you know, in, in New York and New Jersey, I'm an attorney. New Jersey, New York, I actually, just to clarify, I'm waving in, so that's not done, but it'll be done soon because I get a lot of calls for businesses in New York. And what, what's waving in me? I'm not familiar with that. that it means you, you admit you get admission on motion to the bar. If you've been practicing long enough in certain states, you can wave in and just pay okay. the fees and they just make sure you're not a criminal. Okay. Um, and uh, haven't been suspended in other states. So they you can wave into New York. It, it, that was only about three years ago that you started okay. to be able to, to wave in. But I get a lot of cross-border type of stuff because of you know, because of where I am. And then I do federal stuff, like I'll do federal tax planning. Uh, we do some business tax planning that allows people to, you know, create benefits for executives and and do some charitable things and stuff. As long as they have local counsel for state issues, which usually there aren't any, yep. do the federal stuff um, okay. pretty much anywhere. I can't appear in court, obviously, anywhere except where I'm admitted. So, right, right. So, so you've spoken to thousands of owners, I'm sure, just like. Yeah. If you if you look at the owners out there and some of the biggest reasons that they struggle and not just legally, right? What are some of the biggest top three problems that you hear generally? Well, well one is that they don't they don't know their numbers really. Yeah, they think they do. The ones that are really sharp, they know exactly how much more revenue or how many more customers they can bring in or how many more jobs they can take on before they have to add new personnel or build new systems or whatever and they can very much measure their cost of acquisition and acquiring right. a customer and all you write the lifetime value of a customer and things yeah. like that. Um, I also think that people are generally not very good at marketing their business and they should be working with, you know, a digital marketing professional, maybe a, a print company if, if, if their industry lends itself to that. Um, and I find that people are trying to do it a lot on, on their own. Um, and, um, that's okay, but you better get really good at it um, because you know the marketing game. I think, in my opinion, I'm, look, I'm not a marketing person, but I do with the help of certain people, you know, my web people and things like that. Um, do a lot of our marketing. My podcast yeah. is for marketing, right? Yeah. I find that if you um, do things on a consistent basis and you stick with whatever program you have. I don't care if it's blogging or, you know, I just had a, blog, a guy on recently and it, he has this website called Blogger Nation and he teaches people how to build businesses through blogging. Wow. Affiliate wow. programs or whatever. But he'll tell you too, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. I take eight, 10, 12 months of you putting out 30, 40, 50 articles or me putting out 50, 100, whatever, ever episodes where people start to see you and recognize you, right? It used to be five or six times people think, oh, well, Ken's real. Now it's like 17 or something crazy yeah. like that, right? Yeah. So that's the second thing. I think that people don't create consistent um, marketing programs that they stick with. Yeah, Everything needs a tweak, but what they'll do is they'll put a post on LinkedIn. They'll be like, yeah, I, I posted on LinkedIn. I didn't get anything yeah. out of it. Yeah. And like once, you did that once, that was your like sample. So that's, yeah. that's the second thing. And the third thing is probably... Um, Huh, what would be the third thing would be kind of in line with the with with the marketing stuff is um, maybe like using technology to their advantage automation, especially small business owners, they can automate a lot more things. They yeah, throw bodies out instead than yeah. they realize exactly attorneys are famous for this right they have. They have three times the amount of staff for the lawyers. Yeah. Now some firms that are litigation based they have court calendars to manage and whatever but there are firm management systems that when it takes some effort, but that when put in place, 
you don't have to be so labor intensive. And when you're small, those costs really are important. They, they really add up. Look, I run my firm. I used to have partners and all different things. I'm basically a solopreneur. I've been doing this more than 30 years. I have colleagues that I can use for anything my clients need from uh, you know patents, trademarks to yeah. bankruptcy, right? Uh, litigation, certainly. Uh, so I don't, I don't want a staff. I, I don't want that anymore. I don't want payroll with everything. But everything I do is automated. So if I meet you and you set up a meeting with me and we go on Zoom together, my system takes your email, adds it to my marketing list, and then starts sending you about a five or six email drip campaign about my firm yeah. and a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about things that I do. I don't even remember that because I don't see it. It happens behind the scenes. When I finish working with a customer, I take their email and off my CRM. It's basically just a pipeline file. It's a list pipeline following. I drop it into a new pipeline and it sends them a review letter. Please review us on Google, Avvo, you know, whatever, LinkedIn. And uh, because it helps our business and it gives them some suggestions how to do it ethically and not ethically and things like that. That happens pretty much automated. Yeah. Um, you know, same with, you know, bookkeeping and uh, you can really do that stuff and you can outsource a lot of that stuff. So you don't have to be burdened with that stuff and you can focus on 1% though, Mitch, I'll tell you on a turn. I am, but I, it's because I got to the point <laughs> where I was like, this is worrying. Yeah. I'm not automating, not understanding process. And I know very much so very much. So. And you lose a lot of sleep at night, either yeah. you're totally brain dead or you're just worried all the time where yeah. your next piece of business. Is. I mean, look, I worry too. Yeah, I should. People say that's ridiculous. I get a lot of business in, but I do. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, what's going on today? Who I got to call? What do I got to do? But I know I have some comfort knowing that it's going on in the background. Yeah. You know, but it took me a while to get the email set up, to set up Zoom, to set up Calendly, to connect all those two, set up my review letters. It does take an effort to do it. But once you're done, you're pretty much good to go. And those right. that that's, that's probably the third thing that I see business owners. They don't, even if you're a retail store, you and I both know you can improve. Uh, in put it put technology in place yeah to help run your business right, right. much more effectively right let's yeah. one more topic that i don't think a lot of uh owners honestly think about this uh yeah um, estate planning and how yeah. to play with owning a business right and why that's yeah. important to consider or what you need to consider and the importance thereof yeah, and I that's why I do a lot of estate planning. I was actually an estate planning attorney before I got into business work and I started doing business work. It is probably a seriously neglected side of, of planning when it comes to a business owner. And it's probably most important um, when you own a business, especially if you have partners, right? Because your will needs to be coordinated with your operating agreement. And you may have a buy-sell agreement that sets up what happens if one of us wants to leave or dies or gets disabled, which I mentioned before, which might be touched on in an operating agreement. But as your business grows, generally, you do a full-blown buy-sell agreement, maybe right. with life insurance and other insurances in place. But you need to have several things in place. First of all, your, your wills and your the dis disposition of your assets, including your shares in the company, have to be coordinated with what you agreed to in your agreements with your partner. Okay? okay. So that's the first thing. Second okay. of all, you, you should have, so the three main documents you need is like a will, a healthcare directive, and a power of attorney. Yeah, yeah. Okay? There are certain kinds of power of attorney. So you might have a power of attorney with your spouse. It's just a general durable power of attorney. Yep. But- excuse me, with your business partner, you could have what's called a springing power of attorney or a non-durable power of attorney. One's the other side of the coin. So a springing power of attorney is something that doesn't give anybody power until an event happens. Like you become incapacitated and now your partner has the power to do certain things on the two of your behalf. 
yeah. which could be good. It could be bad. A yeah. non-durable power of attorney is a power of attorney that exists while you're healthy, and then you become disabled or incapacitated, and now it dissolves. Yeah. So the remaining partner can't go and take all your money and go to Brazil or something like that. So I don't know why I chose Brazil, but um, you know, so that, that those, so those are kind of things you have to kind money of, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's a haven, right? Exactly. Yeah. Cayman yeah. Islands or whatever. So th that's what those kind of things you kind of have in place. And, and generally when I review stuff, even if people do have documents, they're totally not even coordinated. They're, yeah. They will say my assets go to this thing and I'm leaving the business to here. And they have an agreement with their partner that says totally something different. Yeah. Because there's been no coordination. The business attorney is not the estate planning attorney. They're not, you know, talking to each other. Um, so that that's important. And then sometimes trust planning is involved because you may want to minimize estate taxes and other taxes if somebody were to pass away. And you sometimes you got to coordinate that with your business. You also may be S Corps have certain rules as to who can own. And if you have your property going to trust, it could accidentally break the S election, which yeah. could cause tax problems with the business. So you might need a certain kind of uh, electing small business trusts that meets the S corporation rules to be part of that. So there's, there's a lot of things that when you're a business owner that you can't overlook when it comes to um, estate planning. Yeah. And it's amazing how um, so many owners neglect to do these things. Uh, yep. I, I, I've been thinking my father and, you know, I, I won't, I won't ask your age, but I think with your years of experience, we are, we are roughly probably about the same, but yeah, uh, my, my my father is in his early 80s and I got him and he's been an entrepreneur and lots of businesses his entire life. I got him and my mom to finally put a will together two years ago. Right? They didn't have a will even, not even an old one. Yeah. Yeah. So and and wow. just, I, I mean, I'm the type that I, I had my first will, I think, when I was 22. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, right. You're a planner. And a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, married to a CPA and, you know, there so, you go. right. So, so uh, that was helpful. But um, anyways, it's just, it's just amazing. And yeah, I, there's no shortage of those stories. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had to, I just finally told him, I said, look, you're going to have some leftover money. Do you want to give it to the government or your grandkids? Right. Yeah. The government or your grandkids? And that right. was like, well, I don't want the damn government. Yeah. They're not putting up a building with your name <laughs> on it. <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and I've seen so many sad stories with business owners that get into things and they disagree and they, 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 they just can't stand each other, but there's yep. no payments in place and how to separate and peacefully and everything. So, yep. And I, listen, I've had businesses that are, I don't know, let's say they, they're demonstrable businesses like, uh, bakery or something like that, right? Yeah. They're yeah. arguing over spoons and pictures on Instagram and bowls yeah. and mixers and all the important stuff. Yeah. And they're spending a lot of money on legal fees. I'll tell you that. Yeah. 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 You know, well, Mitch, where can people find your book? Well, the bad news is you can't find the book yet. It should have okay. been out several months ago, but we do have the copyright. It's with the publisher. I'm waiting for the final uh, manuscript should be up on Amazon sometime either late April or early May. Okay. So okay. if people want to go on my mailing list, I'm going to send an email. They'd like to be on a, on a, on a list to know when the book's released. Um, please, you know, reach out to me. You can go to my website, beinhackerlaw.com or mitchbeinhacker.com. I have podcasts on mitchbeinhacker.com, but either way. And um, then when the book comes out, you can, that's when you can find it. So we've been planning on that for about three years, but then okay. if I didn't have my co-author, it would never even gotten written. But okay. uh, so that's, the, so I've been poking the publisher <laughs> to, get this thing back. But since I'm not, you know, JK Rowling or uh, some other famous author, they're not, you know, I'm not top priority. 
Yeah. <laughs> I got to push them to do it, but it should be available within, you know, 45 days. All right. Will there be a special link or anything you could send me? I mean, and uh, um, there will be, there's a link on the website that there will be there, but now it says coming soon and you click on it and nothing happens, but I will oh, definitely yeah. send you a link when it's available. Okay. Um, people can always find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, we do the podcast, I think posts to Instagram and Twitter, but I'm not too active on those, on those uh, sites. And also, like I mentioned, MitchBeinecker.com has the podcast, the books, speaking, blogging, things like that. And then Beinhacker Law is the legal side of it and all the stuff that business owners can learn about doing things the right way. Awesome. Yeah, if you could get me that. Um, I'll get you all the links for show notes and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a co-founder for a community uh, as well called The Shift Spot, who, who sponsors oh. this. And it's a community for business owners and CEOs. It surrounds them with coaches and advisors and peer, help them solve some of the toughest issues. And for example, and every month has a specialty. So January was human capital. Uh, let's see, uh, February was uh, sales and marketing, uh, March, uh -huh. leadership and management. Next month nice. is marketing and then finance. But obviously, you know, if you can get us a link, we can post it in the community for you. And sure. you'd even be interested in uh, being a guest and come on and sure there as well. So yeah, absolutely. I always love to do that stuff. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, Mitch, any closing thoughts for us? Any like silver bullets to keep everybody safe and, uh, you know, and keep them, keep them out of jail or out of trouble in business? <laughs> yeah. Put things in writing. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Don't trust, you know, it's nice to people that, oh, what do you think? I'm not good for it. No, you just have a mind like every other human being. Put yeah. things in writing. I don't care what they are. I don't care what you, because you won't remember. Yeah. That's, what, that's the silver bullet. I agree. Real pleasure. I appreciate your time today. All right, Ken. Thanks. Thank you.